Hi, I'm Patrick. And I'm Alex. And this is Swirl Talk 901. I'm excited about today's episode because today we're going to talk about the election and everything that's happened post-election and everything that we feel that we're going to have to work on and deal with with everything for the next four years and to make sure that we don't have the same mess that we had within the last four years. Um, and I'm really excited about this episode. I don't know about you, Alex. I, well, yes, I do. I know exactly how you feel about <laughs> this. So this is going to be, this is going to be a good conversation, I feel. Yes, I'm definitely not one to, uh, she's my excitement, uh, to talk about things. So <laughs> and it, I it's... have been just like stewing on the election and everything that happened between then and the inauguration and then yes. since then you know that um i don't know people expect us to just be like oh it's over now i saw something that that said you know oh all you biden supporters are really quiet now and we're like no we just we don't like praise this dude like right yeah to have a good president now we're looking at issues we're not talking yeah. about just the president i know that's gonna be different than it has been for the past four years but fucking remember before that was a thing yes like, and it's it's one of those <laughs> things where you have to look at the general for the last four years all we've done is focus on one one person sitting right, in office of and it's been all about him and it's just mm-hmm. kind of like everything he did everything he looked everything he looked at everything he touched everything he everything had to be about him it it was all about him and you're just kind of like okay well what about america i don't really want to talk about america let's talk about me and we finally have got somebody who hopefully will maintain this this idea that it's not about you it's about everyone else good bad positive negative whatever it's not just about you. That's what I've seen. And, you know, cause I am following the progress so far, um, as far as the, the things that the administration has put into action and I'm watching the actions of the president and the vice president. And they, the thing that I noticed that's so different, it's just the, the stark contrast between the last administration and this is that, He's not sitting there talking about himself. You know, everything that I read, I've recently gotten on Twitter and I just kind of go on there and he's one of the few people that I follow because I'm just very interested to see how he interacts with the public. And it's all about America. It's about vaccination. It's about the economy relief. It's about what we can do, what we can do, what we can do. It's not all capital letters talking about himself and how dumb other people are like politicians are politicians and yes they're actors and everything like that but yeah that's what we need it drove me crazy that people praised trump for not being a politician it was like i don't like go to my eye doctor and praise him for being a mechanic like you know like uh uh-uh no, I need a an eye doctor. I don't yes. need a mechanic for that. And it's one of those things where we we honestly we looked at the last four years and this wonderful shit show that we've been in, and we lost sight of the fact that it's nothing he did Sorry, right, nothing he did was was about America. It was all about him, and it was just like devoted completely to his idea what he thought things should be or whatever and not even his ideas you know you had four years of a (sighs) infant baby child who (laughs) who sat in his big boy chair and was like you know what i think i think that you're stupid 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 and I'm the smartest man in the world. And do you know why I'm smart? I'm smart because I'm sitting here. And everyone else is not sitting here. And you guys suck. And you're just kind of like, wait, hold on. How did that, how did we get from you're the president of the United States to we all suck? Like, 
what what led to that and it was just you know we we picked someone and i say we because we as american people chose a a man child which is the nicest way i'm going to phrase that and we we chose him to run our country and he ran it he ran it straight into the ground and i'm just like oh my god like i i could not believe it like i was honestly i went to bed that night i believe hillary was in the lead when i went to bed right Right. And then like, I didn't stay up because I was just like, <laughs> right, no. And I no. woke up like at two or three o'clock in the morning and somebody on Facebook was like, oh, my God, he won. And I immediately started crying. Like I was just like in such rage. I was just it was it was so upsetting. Like it was it was devastating for me. So it's crazy to know that we have. We did this to ourselves. We we honestly did this to ourselves. We we put ourselves in this situation. So now, Uncle Joe and I was just. Y'all remember? I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all remember that big inflatable baby? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly, exactly. They floated. Yeah. yeah, the helium blimp thing that was overseas. I know that it was in Europe. Yes. And it was because Trump was <laughs> coming to visit. <laughs> and they flew that helium blimp of him. Can I interrupt real quick? Yes. Um, the baby Trump was first brought out in the UK. Um, London's mayor, uh, Sadiq Khan, gave permission for it to be flown over the city <laughs> on the day of his first visit. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and then they, I, from what I can gather, they loaned it out to other people that wanted to use it. So, like when Trump would have rallies or stuff in the U.S., they would use the same blimp. And it oh, is wow. now, it's now on display in a museum in London. Of course, it the is. the Museum of London. Of course, it is. Our four-year president is now immortalized in. A museum in London, not for the great work that he's done, but because he <laughs> likes to wear diapers. <laughs> right, exactly. He likes to wear diapers, which wouldn't shock me at all. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone would be like, so you know, Trump has a diaper fetish. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that makes sense. That sounds that. about right. Yeah, I got that. So now, Uncle Joe, who is a 78 year old man. Yeah, that's why I call him Grandpa Joe. Okay, yeah, 78 year old man who is honestly he's the best thing of a bad situation. I mean, he he's out of the two choices we had. Yeah. But that's okay with me. Like he is <laughs> truly a relief. He's the most boring president that works for us right now. <laughs> you know what? That's what we need though. We need Right, boring. exactly. Yeah four years of this man trying to basically undo the work of a a self-proclaimed demigod and you know it it that's what his first four years of presidency is going to be like now do i feel that he should rerun no 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 i don't um i feel that after yeah after a certain age you just let it go like you, you climb that hill, you got it, you made it, good for you, let it go. Like, um, now, Kamala. She could step up. She, Lizzie, she's Lizzie she's my girl. Step up. Yeah, she's my girl. I mean, she is, I she, like she got that. And I was really hoping to, by the time we got to this episode, I was really hoping to um, read her book. But that it's on my list to read next. Because um, I really wanted to have a little bit more information about Kamala before this episode. But this is just a bookmark saying I need to learn. Because um, there are things that I have learned about her and her time as Attorney General that weren't favorable. But hey, uh, no politician has a clean record. You know, of course, we don't yeah. need to scrutinize her anymore. Than we would any other, because I've never said that about another. I I didn't say that about Joe, about Grandpa Joe when he was vice president. You know, Pence is a piece of shit, but um, (laughs) we just that administration just sucked. But um, 
you know, and I mean, the Obama administration wasn't perfect, but none is. And I don't think yeah. that it's fair to uh, Vice President Kamala Harris to scrutinize her any more than you would others. But I also don't think that her being a black woman should be a free pass because yes. we need to pay attention to, you know, we still need to pay attention to what she's doing and what and her, you know. I completely agree with you on that. I will say that as a African-American, she does sort of get a slide for me for a lot of this stuff because, um, I mean, just the fact that we, we've we had a African-American president, we now have an African-American vice president, I, I'm, I... <sighs> Like, this is what I want my children to see one day. This is this is the type of world that I'm I'm proud to be a part of, is that we have allowed people of color, minorities to to shine in this political realm that has been mostly older white men for the last 50, 60 years. I mean, I know we have Nancy Pelosi and and others who have stepped up, but it's basically been run by old white men. And this is this is a good thing. This is so she does she yeah, she does get a slide for me and and it's so interesting how we we didn't we didn't look at her her views. It, that's not what the media focused on, especially some of the non-fair media, I guess is the best way to say that. They they looked at her, the way she dressed, the way she acted, the way she spoke. You know, I, I remember watching one of the debates and... Um, when she stopped Mike Pence, she was like, excuse me, I'm talking. Everybody was like, oh, that was so rude. And I was like, no, it was not. She She didn't say, hey, shut up, I'm talking. She said, excuse me. Which automatically is polite. Yeah, she said, excuse me, I'm speaking. Because she was. He interrupted her. Mm-hmm. Which nobody focused on. Nobody was like, wow, he, he shouldn't have done that. No. She stopped him and did it in a polite way. And was like, excuse me, I'm speaking. That's that's what, yes. that's yes. what needed to be hit. Done. That's what needed to happen. Vice yes, President exactly. Harris. BP Kamala Harris yes and her name is meant to be said with respect right that's Uh, why I was like I hate I don't want to call her Kamala all the time but I do call the president Grandpa Joe it's not like I always refer to him as President Biden I like that they that her kids call her Mamala and sometimes I refer to her as Mamala yeah I mean there are certain I saw something where Somebody referred to her as Kamala Harris, and I, or yeah, Kamala Harris, and I was just like, "How could you?" I mean, I know you've heard her name pronounced correctly because I've heard it pronounced correctly, and it doesn't look like Kamala; it looks like Kamala. But that's to me. I'm an African American, so there you go. So maybe that's why. No, it, it looks, looks like Kamala. Right, exactly. Like, it looks like Kamala, and it's been said enough times to where that person should know. Just like the person who swore her in. Yes. They yes. said, yeah, they said Kamala. They re- Yeah, they said, repeat after me, Kamala. And she goes, Kamala. Yeah, I was just said, like, oh yeah, my like, God. That's just, uh, it's so crazy. I will not repeat after you. I will say <laughs> my name correctly. It was just so crazy. <laughs> so it's like, it's so strange that this is the world we live in now. Where Disrespectful. We have to, yes, exactly. Exactly. Complete and other If I was swearing in the vice president of the United States, I would make for damn sure I knew how to pronounce their name. Right, right. Exactly. Like, what the fuck? It's like when you say... You didn't say bidden. Right. (laughs) You know, if you can say, if you can say Tommy, you can say Eugene, you can say Gerald, you can say uh, John, you can say Ronald, you can say George, you can say Kamala. Yeah, Kamala. It rolls off your tongue. It's not that difficult. It's not that 
Kamala. Kamala. There you go. Kamala. Can we get so, like a, a producer? <laughs> Can we get like yes. some music to that? Kamala. It's Kamala. Kamala. It's Kamala. Kamala. It's Kamala. I mean, it's crazy. It, it's absolutely crazy. So that's the world that we live in. And this is the world we're in now where we have people who did not like the election. So instead of dealing with it in a responsible way, they attempted to sue. Um, that didn't work. They attempted to bring down laws upon every city that did not vote their way. And then when that didn't work, um, they pulled their big wheels up and rode their tricycles into the federal capital and was just like, we don't like this, so we're going to go in and attempt to kill people to make it our way like to kill people well i say this in the sense of there were several people that died on that the day of the insurgents and some of them did not deserve that some of them did not they did not wake up that morning and go to work and think that is going to be the last day that they get to say goodbye to their families or something like that now, there were some that, I mean, you pop your head inside a building where people are telling you to get out, and you choose not to. None of their intended targets died. Exactly, exactly. Like, they did not kill exactly. their intended targets. But they got too far. Yes. They got oh, way too most fucking definitely far. They got too far. That was incredible at the, like, I saw, you know, I saw the video that everybody else saw. Okay, so hang on. Can I stop you and just say, yes. like, because this is something that we're always going to remember. Like, where were you? What were you doing when you heard about it? Like, I was watching. I was I was at work when when something I don't I don't know. I was watching something and oh, I was watching the I was watching the the boats and everything. I was watching that going on and I saw. Nancy Pelosi, she was there. She was handling her business, doing her thing. Then they looked at one of the congressmen who was talking. And she said something to him. He responded. Next thing you know, Pelosi was gone. And I was like, oh, she must have to get to the bathroom. And I was like, that's weird to have to run to the bathroom in the middle of whatever's going on. Gotta go, then gotta this, go, gotta right, go right and now. I was gotta like, go, she's, gotta go, gotta like, go. She's a, <laughs> She's Where will lady. you be maybe when your diarrhea kicks Exactly. Out. <laughs> I was like, maybe she, you know, maybe she wasn't feeling her best. Then this guy took over and he was like, the gentleman from whatever can talk or whatever. And then they went back to the gentleman that was talking. And then someone looked up and pointed somewhere. And the the gentleman that took over Pelosi was banging his gavel. He was like, I need order, order in the room, whatever. And then they shut it out. That was it. They were just like, okay, some, you know, due to technical difficulties, we have to end this. That's fucking scary. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, something happened. Because, I mean, everybody oh. looked in one direction. And one guy was pointing up there. And then the they they, you know, went away. Where were you? I was working. Uh, you know, I'm working from home right now. So it, it's it's really isolating. Whereas, you know, I worked in an office for many years. And even then, like even more, uh, more public space um, in retail and in pharmacy. But now I'm working from home. So I don't just hear about things. Like it has to come through on my phone before I hear about anything really. Mm -hmm. And so I was working all day and one of my friends slash coworkers, uh, I am me because like my phone had been going on. My personal phone had been going off a whole lot, but I was so busy that I didn't have time to check it. So, and I just assumed it was like my group messages that I, well, it was my group messages that I was in, but they were just like even going off even more than normal. Um, I still didn't have time to check it, but it was somebody, it was my friend slash coworker who I am to me on our work computers. To, she was like, 
oh my gosh, they just took the Capitol. And I was like, who took what? What are you talking about? And she was like, my mom just ran it. She said, I hadn't been watching it either, but my mom was just screaming from the other room because she's, she's uh, staying with her parents right now. And um, she said, my mom was just screaming from the other room and said that there, cause I knew that they were there certifying the votes and I was anxious about that, but I didn't have time to check in on it. I was just like, well, I'll, I'll check the result when I can. And then when she started saying that, I looked at my phone and that's what, that's what was going on. They were talking about when it started. And so it just like, uh, you know, logged on to, um, I turned on a news, something on my phone or my computer or something. And I was like, what in the world? And it still wasn't over. Like it wasn't over when I logged on and this was a long time. Like they were oh, yeah. in there for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And that is infuriating. Like yeah. the fact that they even got in there after the fucking billions and trillions of dollars that this country spends on military and on all of these fucking weapons and everything. And you're telling me that you let those people into the Capitol building, that those people were able to get in when just months before you tear gassed and used riot gear against people who were peacefully protesting. So the fucking president could take a picture holding a Bible upside down. Like that was the action that you used against people of color and people who were supporting a cause that was black lives matter and protesting peacefully, mind you peacefully protesting against police brutality. That's the action that you take against them. Yet the people who violently and forcefully enter this government building where the symbol of our democracy is, is taking place and we're able to overtake it. Yeah. They yeah. were able to carry their fucking podiums around and sit at their desks? Are you joking? Yeah. And that is one of the that is one of those things where people, you know, immediately I recognized it for what it was. I was just like, well, if if this had been any person of color, anything like that, they never would have made it past those steps. No. They would have immediately shot them down. They would have been dead before they got on the ground. There there would have been reports of of hundreds and thousands of young young people of color killed on the steps of the Capitol building or whatever. And it's just like those people were able to enter buildings. They were able to climb walls. They were able to scale on top of the building and be proud Record about it. Like themselves. Not, right, exactly. Not even take, like, not even have an instance of, oh, my God, this might not have been the smartest thing in the world. They were proud of themselves. And they were down in the building. They weren't just in the building. They were in the building. They were standing in the places where the president has stood, where Pelosi has stood, where the vice president has stood. They forced there. them out of that yes. space and yes. stood in it. Exactly. Exactly. And you're just like, I mean, they're scaling over the walls. And you're like, only seven people were killed that day. <laughs> seven people. And those were the same people, the people who were scaling those walls, the people who were sitting at their desk and banging their gavels were the same people who were standing in front of the president Mm -hmm. hours before with him telling them to march there. Yes, exactly. If that had been a leader of color, if that had been a crowd that wasn't you know, it couldn't have been 97% white. <laughs> yeah, it never like, would have happened. It never would have happened. And it's it, just They like, would never have gotten there. They would, it would have been shut down so quickly. Like, And then to leave there, like, this is the part that killed me. Because it didn't surprise me that they made it as far as they did. Didn't surprise me that they got away with it as much as they did. But then to go to an airport and decide, I'm just going to fly back home. I'll be okay. And some of them did make it home. Some of them did make it home. Others were just like, what do you mean I can't get on the plane? What do you mean I'm a national terrorist? What are you talking about? I was just doing, I was just, I was just up there. There's nothing wrong with that. I was okay. My president said I could do it. 
bitch, really? Like you, what? Is that what you, okay. That's what we going to do today. This, and it, this and is that, a, was, <laughs> that was more, okay. So you can, <clears throat> let's just not even, oh, I can't get around not blaming him for it. Because um, it was five to six years of his personal, like, absolute, you know, megaphone. Oh, yeah. Blasting yeah. This hate, these hate messages, inciting this violence and instilling, you know, it, not not instilling because this was already in our society before. We yes. can't act like yes. we can't act like any of this is new because it's absolutely not. That's why I was like, I started to say we can't blame him for it. But yes, we absolutely should. And he, he deserves the blame for what happened that day and, and a lot of things that have happened over the past you know, several years with him being at the forefront of it as the president mm-hmm. and the presidential candidate and stuff like that. But I mean, he's been in the limelight for a long time and his views haven't, you know, I mean, he, yeah, he goes back and forth in the, in the different things that you see, just depending on what's going to make him most popular at the time, but he's always been a public racist. Like yeah. he's always been, yeah. It, it, that that's that's nothing new, and neither is the racism and patriarchy in our country. Neither yes. are it, the, He just made people more comfortable uh, acting that way, and he made people more <clears throat> perpetuating comfortable their and, and openly, openly claiming those things, openly saying those things. Because if your president is condoning it, then that that makes you feel like it's okay. It's it's crazy how you have you had people who are honestly undercover racists who who I like to call the hidden ones who who didn't you know vocally say okay I I have a problem with this specific race or I have a problem with these type of people or whatever but you knew they did like as a as a African American man whenever I walk into a place whoever looks at me and stares just a little bit too long i can always tell they they could potentially be a problem for me and that it's so sad that i have to be that way but it's true i i look at people and i'm like okay they could be a problem like they they stare just a little too long their their eyes squint just a little bit too close they're just like mm, and you're like, oh, God, here we go. So, you know, he gave those people the platform and the ability to say, you know, I don't have to hide anymore. I'm going to come out. I, I am, can wave I am this fucking Trump flag yes, and I am say okay what I want to say. Yes. And like even now where I am in in Mississippi, I still drive through my neighborhoods and certain neighborhoods and I still see people with Trump you know yeah. trump with pence's name slashed out because they got a problem with him now but trump's name are you serious their, yes they hate oh. pence now. They hate well pence. yeah I, I mean i knew that they did oh man Ooh. yes like they're Ooh, just that's like next level they're, they're next pro level. trump they hate pence but they're pro trump um we have there's this business on 78 that has two signs huge signs on their on their walls that talk about how much they love trump and i'm just like you're a business but their their lot is always full so there are people that clearly don't have a problem with with yeah yeah with that so i'm just like that's crazy that's so crazy so we have these insurgents who scare me and they should they should they I mean, should. they're they're the same people with you know, the Confederate flags have always really scared me. Yes, yes. Because they stand, you know, you can say it stands for history. Well, that history was all five years. Yeah, exactly. It was <laughs> exactly. They like it was. They've been rocking the flag for longer than they than the flag was even used for its yeah. intended purpose. Yeah, it's like. I- <laughs> I love that same-sex marriage has been legal longer than the yes. Confederacy was in the and that's the yes. things it's like the gay flag and it's like these colors don't run. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's so it's it's insane that this is something that they're still like, well, this is a part of our history. Is it though? 
is it really a part of your history? Because I mean, five years is not that long. No. Five years is it's, it's not it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a drop in the bucket of you know it's it's not that long and you weren't even around. your dad wasn't even around your grandpa yeah. wasn't even around your your great-grandfather ago, wasn't even around like your great-grandfather wasn't even your great-grandfather wasn't even like it's it's like it's time to let it go and so you have all these people who did that and they 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 rocked the nation's capital and they were just like we're we're not okay with this and and he, i saw a video of the baby child who who was there with his family in like this little tent thing and they were watching and they're all just dancing and shaking and grooving as as these people are 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 invading the capital and i'm just like this is what they need to show this is what everybody needs to see that this man is laughing and having a good time with his his children because I don't believe his wife was there. I don't remember seeing her, but with his children, as these people are are bombarding the capital. This is what they see need that to show. at all. Mm. Oh yeah, like he, they're dancing. Like I think it's Donald Jr. He's he's sitting there. His wife is just dancing. She's like, yeah wow, this is exciting. And I'm like, bitch, really? I, like, I I said that a lot. I was like, bitch, really? Yeah, I was like, bitch, really? Like, y'all have lost y'all mind. This is crazy. It is crazy. It was, it. every bit of it was so disturbing. And even since then, like, more of the footage that's come out and just all these things seeing all the people who had live you know twitter or instagram or facebook like they were streaming it live from there and it, you know they were just the audacity of these people and something that really really disturbed me were the jesus saves flags and yes. i was like that is the epitome of christian nationalism and everything that you know this president again that's not something that was new by any means it's newer than a lot of people would think but that's one of the most frightening things to me and that's one of the most disturbing things that people really use this as an example or they they portray this as what christianity is and unfortunately that is a big part of what western christianity is and what it's become in america that's something that has really been troublesome over the past several years is that you know these people who I love so much and these people who taught me what it means to be Christian, I'm seeing totally different sides of them as they support this sort of behavior and the policies and the actions of that administration. It's very disturbing to me because to me, the biggest part of the gospel was social justice. And Mm -hmm. the biggest part of Jesus's battle was the government was the administration was the empire at that time and you know the things that they condone nowadays and the things that they praise in their president are the kinds of things that made jesus flip tables and hit people with whips now that's the kind of you know i was i had my little bible reading today or whatever like my verse of the day was it was philippians Philippians 2, 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And I was like, you know, I've been in kind of the table flipping, you know, (laughs) whip lashing Christ kind of mood here lately because all that is bullshit. And like the things that they've done in the name of the government. And that's, that's why Jesus was killed. He was killed by the government for those sort of actions and everything. And it's just, it's, to me, that's one of the most disturbing things that's come out of this administration is seeing the true colors of those who taught me to be Christian. And I still have I still have the utmost respect for them and I love them very much. But um, those are some of the things that disturb me. Well, it's it's one of those things where I, I can't speak on it because I've never 
I don't have situations like that in my family. Um, I can imagine it's pretty different. (laughs) My, my, well, I mean, like, I, I do have, I, I've never experienced a family member to be like, I, I, I I can't even speak on that. I've, I've never had that, but it's like the unmitigated goal of the people to be like, you know what, this is not going to work for me. So I'm going to do whatever I want to, to change it. And then to realize that it's not like that, just the way they go about things is so crazy to feel that this is how they feel life should be. Not even for people that they consider lesser than them, just for themselves. They don't care about anybody else out there in this world. They're only thinking about themselves. They've only got blinders on themselves. And they're only like, this is what I want the world to be. So this is what I'm going to make it. This is how I'm going to have this be. So it's it's crazy to look at everything in, as a whole and just be like, now what? Now what do now what do you hope to accomplish? Because I mean, they're still they're still fighting it. They're still um, arguing it. We still have people who who are still like, I didn't do anything wrong. All I did yeah. was go up there to discuss what I hoped would happen. Yeah, I, I totally ransacked the building. Yeah, I went into her office and sat at her desk and put my feet up there on her desk. Yes, I stole her podium and and tried to sell it on eBay for $25,000 or, you know, yeah, I did that, but I didn't do anything wrong. I'm one of the good guys. Like, and you're just like, wow, really? The Is audacity. That... That's yes, all I can the, say. Un- the unmitigated gall of it all to just be that way. So it's, it's very, we are in strange days here. And, um, I had an old, pastor who used to talk about the end times all the time and I can just imagine him saying we're in the end times now and I'm just like I hope not that's that's I hope this isn't what the end times looks like no maybe it does maybe maybe this is the crazy that we have we have wrought upon ourselves and this is the world that we're in now Well, I was raised in that sort of religion as well, where there was a lot of focus on the end times. And I mean, they still do, you know, and they they link a lot of things to the prophecies that are in the Bible. And I can't, you know, I'm not speaking against anything that they say. I'm just saying that that's their theology. And it was always really scary to me. And I think that's what it was intended to be, um, because... I mean, if, if if they show the correlations between now and what they think, yeah, this shit is this shit is really scary. But I, I don't know. I was recently reading uh, one of my favorite authors, Barbara Brown Taylor. She has a new book that she came out with last year, and it's a collection of her sermons through the years because she's been kind of a guest speaker. And she had this one sermon recently that was, uh, the end is always near. And she read from the book of Mark, I believe. And it was just talking about how they felt like the end was near because of all the things that were going on now. And she talked about the things that she had seen and that her parents had seen and her grandparents as far as like the Great Depression. And, you know, and just think about the things that we've seen in our lifetimes, you know, I mean... 9-11 and different things that have happened the you know the stock market and the the mortgage the housing market crash in 2008 and like things that we've seen now the pandemic that we're going through it always seems like the end is near and think about the things that our parents have seen you know she was talking about how uh you know when she was a kid they did practice drills for bombings where they would get under their desk and stuff and she was like you know because they were in war times and that's what they had to do and think about you know vietnam like our parents have seen that and this just the different you know domestic terrorism that we've seen and school shootings and everything it really does feel like the end times are always near so i understand 
their theology and I understand the comfort that they find in believing that they can meticulously map the end times. I I understand that because, you know, to me, one of the scariest things is lack of control and lack of certainty. And so their mindset a lot of times, and this is what I was raised in and something that, you know, is still a lot of times in my head, I, I don't connect with that theology anymore. That's not, um, that's not really what I believe in, but, you know, I understand the allure of that certainty and knowing that if I do this and if I say this prayer and if I do this thing, then I'm going to go to heaven. This is what's in store for me. Like, I get that. I'm believing that what they believe is it. Yeah. Because then that means they can control it, which has a lot to do with the way that that our political system and our society has run for a long time because it's like if we believe that we are superior, if we believe that all of these things that we do are right and we can enforce that, then, you know, we're this is the land of prosperity and this is, you know, the American dream is to yeah. achieve that sort of power. That's just, that's crazy. It's honestly one of those things that we are going to be dealing with the more we see people of color attempt to rise up in today's nation and today's world, we're going to see a lot more of those people who who just have such a problem with it, who are so, yeah, just so this this superiority complex who who attempt to make those who are of a different race or a different nationality or a different gender feel less than them. They're, they're, this is what we're going to have to deal with. So that's scary. That's crazy. And now the question is, what can we as two, three individuals who are not of that mind what can we do to make them go, hey, that's not okay. This is not the world that we want to live in. This is the this is this is not allowed. What can we do to make them realize that that's not okay and we're not going to let them live that like that? I think a big part of it is having the conversations that we're having right now. And not being scared to publicize them and Mm -hmm. speak up for them in those audiences. Like, I've gone back and forth about how I may have portrayed Boonville, like, my home, and some of the things that I've said. And I never meant to be condescending about them at all. I just, you know, they're there are certain things that came from that atmosphere, that environment, like you were talking about. It's very similar to, you know, a lot of Confederate flags and Trump flags and everything around there. I'm not saying that, you know, that the people who raised me necessarily subscribe to that, but I think that... not. But you're not saying that they do Right, right. Like, I think that it's important to show up in those spaces. That's kind of, that's where I'm at right now. Like, I'm very mm-hmm. vocal about how I feel about uh, supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, about having these conversations, about learning and researching. Like, lately, I've been doing what I can on my own to, you know, learn by, yes, I want to have these conversations and ask you questions, but it's also my duty as a white lady to read what is already accessible out there and and to to partake in the education that people have worked really really hard to get out there like my recent things have been like Austin Channing Brown is a black female um, writer and she speaks on faith and social justice and I really really like her perspective and uh, Dr. Ibram X. Candy I'm sure you've seen probably that I've posted about him some and a lot of his work, and he recently released a book called uh, 400 Souls, and I'm looking to read that soon, and I've got Kamala's book on next that I'm going to read, 
because I just got done with the autobiography of Malcolm X as narrated by Lawrence Fishburne. And it was 17 hours. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, And I was like, I was in the last 30 minutes of it. And I was texting my friend. And I'm just like, you know, in the last 30 minutes of this 17-hour autobiography of Malcolm X is narrated by Lawrence Fishburne. I'm just like, you know what? Fuck those white devils. (laughs) No. It's it's like you 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 read stuff like that and you you listen to stuff like that and you're like at the end of it, you're like man white people ain't shit white people is not they no they don't shit. give a fuck they are just oh, yeah. damn and you just look at them just be like ugh that's you, what I that's man. what I told my yeah. friend she was like yeah that's not something you can read and just go be nice to white people and I was like no. I know I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and frowned. <laughs> Is you know is I I this is a little bit off topic, but I remember going to see American History X with um my good friend at the time and two other friends, yeah, two other friends, and at the end of it, we 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 got up at the theater, and the two other friends were Latino. And my one of my best friends, he's white. He's this big old goofy white boy. And I just looked at him. And it took me a minute to be, like, cool with him uh-huh. again. Like, it uh-huh. took me a second to be like, okay, he's he is not this character. He's not this individual. He is not these people. But for a minute, I was just like, man, you ain't shit. Just like I, I was just like I had like the worst attitude about him for a minute. It took me a minute to just sort of deal with it and be like, okay, that was a fictional movie with fictional characters, but it still felt very real to because me because it's based on real it, people and real people. Who yes, you see exactly. All day, every day. Yes, like it'll be a minute before we can touch on that. Because that is one of those films where it honestly made me realize the separation between two people or two two races. And it, it was something, it just, it was put up there on the screen. That, that it was a little bit too close to home. I understand that. Does that make I was sense? you're thinking about from what we were talking about when you said the looks that you get from people. Yeah. I get looks a lot of times too because of the way that I dress and the way that my hair is cut um, when I go into a restroom or something. But I'm getting that exactly because of the way that I'm dressed. Just just for those reasons. Because right. Of the way exactly. That I dress, because exactly. My hair is cut. Yeah. Not because of my skin color. Not because of something that. Right. I have you're any you're giving that over. look because of something you can't right. change. Exactly. Or like you can exactly. change everything could, about yes, you. I could change everything that yeah. makes people give yeah. me those looks, and you can't. And that was something that like right. when you said those words, it's not that I hadn't heard them before, but I guess it's just. It's one of those things where you're always aware of the weirdest things. Um, the, the same friend that I was talking about previously, he and I had this thing where we enter a room. We always know where every exit is. I can tell you how to get out of this building or get out of this specific room that I'm in based on where the exit is. And it, for me, it's an issue of I never want to be trapped anywhere that I can't get out of. Like, I used to joke uh, whenever I did trainings and we would go over fire safety and I'd be like, always follow me. They'll be like, why? And I'm like, because I'm always going to get out of this building. If I have to go through each and every person in this room to get out safely, I will do so because I'm always, my self-preservation is always going to be forefront in my mind. I'm always going to make sure I'm okay. And it's, it's sort of like that no matter where I am, no matter how comfortable I am, no matter how casual I am, I've always got my eye on that door just in case 
A, B, and C pop off, I need to be able to get out. And it's 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 like that for I want to say most African Americans. We're always aware of A, how many other black people are in this room, B, how many white people are in this room, and C, how are we going to deal with a situation if it ever goes south? Mm-hmm. And that's scary yeah. for me. Like, I can't think about ever having to teach my child, okay, this is what you're going to have to do if this and this happens. And I don't mean an earthquake. I don't mean a fire. This is what you're going to have to do if this person comes to you and says, blah, 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 because you are black. Or blah, 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 because your parent is black. Or blah, 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 because your parents are gay. This is what you're going to have to do. So that that is always something that's in my mind, um, being aware of of where I am, how many people are in this situation, how many people could be involved in this situation. That's that's always something I'm aware of, and I don't feel that that's something that. I mean, do you have you ever been like that? I imagine you have been like that if you're in a room full of men. Or something like you're aware, gosh, there's an awful lot of sausage in this room. <laughs> what if this goes, you know, what if this goes bad? Yeah. What am I going to have to do I, that? Um, I so, yeah. don't mean to pretend that I know what it's like to be a person of color in that situation. Um, I do know what it's like to be different and have to know where the exits are and things like that because... You know, I have been in situations where things went south and, um, but again, you know, it's, it's a little bit, well, I mean, being a woman, you know, you're, you are a little bit, you can be a little bit more vulnerable in those situations, depending on what's going on. If you're one of the only females or the only female, um, there, there are a lot of things to consider as far as your safety and, uh, I, I know what you mean about certain situations like that. Yeah, and I mean, this is always something that my grandpa used to always say. He said, never get yourself in a situation you can't get yourself mm-hmm. out of. Mm-hmm. And it took me to become an adult, or no, not adult, a young adult, to realize exactly what he was meaning when he said that. Yeah. And that's scary that still to this day, I'm always aware of that. Well, you have to be. And especially being, you know, an openly queer person in, you know, some environments that might not always be very welcoming and accepting of that. And you have a lot more considerations um, as far as, you know, just like you were saying, you kind of calculate the room and like and and scan it and, and see who's there, who you might have a problem with, or not. You might have a problem with my, you know, might be a problem for you. Have a problem with yeah. me? I mean, well, I mean just you might like... have a problem with them because you're Patrick, but <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> because you know. I do have problems with uh-huh. everyone. But yeah, no, it's very yeah. well possible. I mean, it's just always being innately mm-hmm. aware of where someone is in a situation or how someone is in a situation because you can always tell you can always tell and anybody who says they can never they never had any idea is a complete another liar you can always tell that racist person definitely you can always tell you can there's a shift in the room there's a shift when you're talking to them there's a look in their face there's something about them that's a tell they that's their that's their their thing and you're like oh okay you like my mother-in-law for example my mother-in-law for the last four years or three years ever since i had my stroke has been immensely i mean she her her attitude towards me has changed a hundred and or 300 180 degrees i mean she is she is like one of the nicest people to me now before that woman could not she would rather spit on me than look at me she would honestly like i walk in a room and she just like the distaste and her just like 
Ugh, wow. just like ugh, Why? Patrick. Hello, yeah, no, because I'm black. Wow, because I'm gay. Because I'm with her son. Ooh. I mean, this is Who's there. The there are so many. <laughs> right, exactly. There were so many things uh, that she had a problem with. Um, I told you about how at our wedding, when it came to, you may kiss your. I can't remember what he said. Like she had her eyes closed the entire oh, time. Oh man! And I and I mean I didn't notice that of course because I didn't notice anybody except for the man you know yeah. in front of me. But uh, uh, several other people were just like, "Yeah, your mother in law was not happy about that." I was like, "Of course mm. not." I mean that's that uh, I mean it, yeah it it hurt him. It did not hurt me because I I knew what what it was. Mm. But it's still just like, like to this day, whenever she comes to hug me, I always step back a little bit. I'm like, oh, wait, she's cool with me now. I can hug her. You know, it's just I'm. Yeah, it's it's always something It's I'm always aware of it. I've been there before with family members who um, they're really, really not cool with you for a long time. And then all of a sudden. They're cool with you because they like the person that you're with. And then... Right. All of a sudden, I don't know, when you when you get married, they're not cool with you again. It's like you've committed to this lifestyle of sin. <laughs> like, this is the life yeah, you chose? Yeah, okay, so like, well, well, I guess I have to deal with it. not cool with you anymore. Because <laughs> you, like... Signed your lesbian contract. That's right, what, exactly. That's what Kelly exactly. Signed her lesbian contract. <laughs> <laughs> but tell, I mean, it's so crazy. That we're lesbians. <laughs> it's it's so crazy that this is how they were, and it's not like I'm the one who made their son gay. Their son was clearly gay before he met mm-hmm. me. I just made it official like now he's officially gay yeah. and i'm like now we're gay on well, i stamp that that's just... the... right exactly i stamp that yeah. that is what we are so yeah i mean it's crazy yeah. but i mean it's it's the world that i, I live cursed in. in my vows too that probably didn't help my, <laughs> <laughs> my family but i mean that 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 is that, that that is just like it, it's so crazy but that's the world that we live in. That's that's how I have to deal with it. That's how I have to process things. People who automatically don't like me just because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. It's so strange, but it's so true. Alex, I mean, this is this has been a heavy talk. It has for... been. But it's just like we said in the first episode when we were recording during the election while they were counting the votes, that this election had so much to do with who we are as people and how we look at things. And the really the premise of this podcast, as far as social justice and, and faith are concerned, because um, we touched on a little bit of, on a lot of the social justice stuff, a little bit of the faith. I know we kind of went off the deep end there a little bit, but that's kind of what I'm looking forward to in every episode of this podcast is like really getting to learn more about you and your views, how you were raised, what your individual experiences are like and struggles are too. Um, And then also those of our guests. So thanks for, thanks for opening up there. (laughs) Well, you're, you know, you're very welcome. And, and I love, this interaction that we have between this angry black man and this lily white woman <laughs> who just sort of who just sort of deals with it and she's just like oh patrick it'll be okay and i'm like no it won't burn it to the ground so yeah this is you know, going to be big need to burn it to the ground yeah and... burn it and start over just like just tear it down and start over so hopefully this is what the united states has to look forward to for the next four years is us working to burn it down and start all over i'm looking forward to burning it down with you some more (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for for listening to us we we definitely appreciate you 
And hopefully you enjoyed this show. I mean, this is us just talking shit. Yep. Dealing with it, doing talking what we shit, can. Talking real life shit. Thanks yeah. for listening <laughs> once again. I hope you're enjoying it. I'm Alex. And this is Patrick. And this is Swirl Talk 901. Where, honestly, we're here for it. So bring it to us. We should create a way for them to talk to us if they want to. You can email Patrick and Alex at swirltalk901 at gmail.com. Or if you would prefer, you can leave them a message at 901-264-0074. So I think there's also something about like Anchor and Radar Podcast. And we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Audible, Google Podcasts. And of course, you can always find us on Anchor, who's a proud sponsor of this fine programming. We're everywhere, baby. Wherever you're listening, make sure you follow and leave us a rating. Swirl Talk 901 is a production of Queer For It Media, created and hosted by Patrick Pearson and Alex Carpenter, produced, edited, engineered, and scored by Mary Robine.